of beer and talk about uh, all the things we care. So spare a minute of your time. Oh, it's time for. Gather at the fence line. Why we bond through beer. Today, we unpack the science behind the beer buzz, learn from experimental brewers at work, and discuss the lasting role beer and the places that serve it have on bringing people together. Our guests today are Susan and Jonathan of Fenceline Beer Lab in Huxley, Iowa. Take a breath, get out your lab coats, and let's talk beer. Now it's time for some fun, time for some dares. Huxley, Iowa, lies between the college town of Ames, Iowa, and the bustling streets of Des Moines. With a population of just over 4,000 as of the 2020 census, Huxley is a small town, admittedly. But I've often found that smaller towns have the biggest hearts. My findings would later prove to be true as we pulled up to Fenceline Beer Lab in Huxley to meet the head brewer, Susan, and co owner, and I would later find out the best chef of Brussels sprouts I've ever encountered, Jonathan. It's a travel day for me and my dog, Noodles. And so it's a big relief being able to walk outside the car as we walk through the front door of Fenceline Brew Lab. Immediately, I walk past hand-painted fence Posts on the ceiling, a carved Iowa colorful table, and contented regulars drinking some pints at the bar. I greet Susan at the end of the bar, who introduces me to Jonathan. We all then walk and sit down at the comfortable Iowa shaped table, and we begin to talk. You were homebrewers for such a long time before you found this place. How did you get into homebrewing, and how did that lead you to sitting with me on this beautiful Iowa-shaped table? started when we were in college. Uh, I was too young to buy alcohol, but I could buy the ingredients to make alcohol. So at the age of 18, I joined some biochemistry club or something, and one of their annual activities was to make beer. So I learned that process through them. Then over the years, I taught Susan how to make it. And now she's the head brewer here and has surpassed me. Uh, So how was that process from not brewing to getting really into it? And now you're the head brewer. I had had always worked at home. Uh, I was a graphic and web designer. Mm -hmm. I stayed home mostly so I could take care of our son. And then he started growing up. So we started kind of looking more seriously at doing something like this. We always say we had a five-year plan, but we never started the clock on it. So we finally... and. Mid-2017 started that clock. But yeah, the transition, you know, we started with a stovetop five-gallon batches. Mm -hmm. um, And actually in May of 2016, I think, I got a 15-gallon system for my birthday. It's the best birthday present. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So that that definitely stepped up in how we looked at brewing. Um, it It was more official. There was a lot more stainless even at that point. Um, yeah. but that certainly helped immensely. And we had always traveled 
Um, and there's so many great breweries to visit. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was easy to get inspired by um, just the high quality breweries that were out there. And you also lived in a bunch of places too. We were talking earlier. How did you end up here in Huxley, Iowa? I was hired by, uh, at the time, a pioneer hybrid seed company. Um, it was a part of DuPont Seed. I've been with them for a little over 10 years now. I work there still. That's my day job. That's my, you know, eight or seven thirty to five or six or so job. And then I come here in the evenings and weekends. I'm tired. <laughs> I, bet, I bet beer helps, though, yeah. in my experience. I, I like to say it, it, it can't get any worse. At the end of the day, there's always beer. There's always yeah. beer. Now, Jonathan is a scientist by trade, and we're currently in a beer lab. In this spirit, in this vein, I'd like to go over briefly why, scientifically, beer makes us feel the way we do. Let me put on my lab coat real quick and meep, morp, moop. Here we go. Essentially, the consumption of alcohol directly influences specific chemical processes in the brain. These processes occur when you drink more alcohol than your liver can process. And the initial, let's say, euphoric effects of, and let me emphasize the following word, moderate drinking are caused by the feel-good chemical dopamine. In fact, in an article, Smithsonian Magazine entitled, Merely a Taste of Beer Can Trigger a Rush of Chemical Pleasure in the Brain. As the title implies, the article talks about research that shows that just a sip can cause a dopamine rush to the drinker. Quote, if you take just a sip of beer and moments later, before you've had close to enough alcohol to get intoxicated, perhaps even before the beer has hit your stomach, feel a distinctly pleasurable sensation. It might not be strictly due to subtle aromas that result from the beverage blend of malt, hops, and yeast. The cause of your pleasure might be due to tangible changes in your brain chemistry, specifically a surge in the levels of the neurotransmitter dopamine, end quote. Which, in turn, makes you semi-more social, semi-more receptive, especially if you're drinking among other people who are mindfully and moderately drinking beer. An article for Craft Beer Girls entitled Social Benefits of Beer, a Key to Inclusion for Marginalized Groups summarizes this idea beautifully. Quote, On a basic level, beer acts as a social glue providing a common point of interest around which social gatherings can be formed. It is not uncommon to find people bonding over their shared preference for a particular brand, brewing style, or even home brewing techniques. This common interest can act as a, quote, social equalizer, bringing together individuals from diverse backgrounds who might not otherwise interact, thereby promoting social cohesion and inclusivity. Moreover, The informal setting typically associated with beer, bars, breweries, beer, festivals, or casual home gatherings tend to foster open dialogue and candid conversations. End quote. Now, before we dive into the birth of Fenceline Beer Lab and why the name ties into everything I'm currently talking about, let's continue 
with Susan and Jonathan and their connection through homebrewing. You both have different preferences for beer, as I read on your website. So, Correct, Susan, yeah. you're a hophead. I am I am the hophead here. And Jonathan, you're more on the malty. Love the dark dark malts, the stouts, the browns. Yeah, love those. So how does that work when you're, you're collaborating to make a beer list? I also always say, together we make one good brewer. Because <laughs> um, it, it helps us look at it from, from different sides as well. Like, mm. Okay, this, maybe if we're going for a style thing on, on one side, you know, all right, well, help me out. How does this how is this supposed to supposed to taste? I think the thing that we do most consistently is we just brew what we like to drink, regardless of the style. So if we like uh drinking it, then we'll make a better one. Obviously beer has been a part of both of your lives for such a long time. Me and my brother, uh we we homebrew and it's one of the how do I say it? It's 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 one of the most pure things you can do with somebody else. Homebrewing we kept doing it because we enjoyed doing it together. Um, we we do a lot less of it together here because, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, th- this is my full-time gig and I run brew days and we're less together on the brew floor here, but we do all the other business stuff together. And the process of making something, um, whether it's a beer or here, it's the place, the business. Um, when we were homebrewing, it was definitely that thing that we could make together in an afternoon and then enjoy it for some time after that and share it with friends and family. But here, the whole place is the thing that we make. Um, The whole business, the the beer is a big part of that. But like this, you know, Iowa table, uh, every little part of it makes this place what it is. We bought the building in uh, end of 2017, completely gutted it. And then did most of the work ourselves, 100% of all the finished work. We didn't we didn't do like major plumbing or electrical, but um, sure, like every every single surface we touched multiple times. Yeah, because that's how drywall works. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. well, it, it has character and it's warm. One thing that stood out in my uh, research when I was looking at your website is your development of of your flagship beers. So you you don't like to leave something sitting. Um, for too long. Is that where the, the term beer lab comes in? Absolutely. We are a nanobrewery, but we uh, our fermentation setup is such that we can take one batch and split it three ways in fermentation. And so that allows us to experiment, try different adjuncts or yeast profiles, or, you know, we can vary something quite a bit just on the cold side of things. And that, that helps keep things fresh and uh, fun and um, sometimes we end up with a flagship, like uh, Burn the Boats Brown with Hazelnut started off as a try-all series, and uh, it's now pretty much a permanent fixture here. Yeah, we just keep messing around with with recipes and try to improve them. Um, and we still sample from other places and, and continue to get inspired by hmm. the high-quality beers that are out there. But I'm a scientist by training, and I always wanted to say I'm going to the lab. Uh, so uh, that's where a lot of the name comes in, but functionally it's still a lab too. We play around a lot. Um, okay. And my son should come in later today and we're going to play around with a stout and make something that we've never made before. The essence of homebrewing kind of continued through to yeah. your business. I'm going to briefly read you a passage from my 
favorite user-friendly beer book. If you've been with us for a while, you'll know what I'm about to say. Tasting Beer by Randy Mosher. Here we go. I apologize for any of my German listeners for the mispronunciation of this, but here we go. Gemmelichtheit is a German word meaning coziness and is most often used to describe the warm and cheery atmosphere of the log and taxidermy decorated bars in such places as Wisconsin. It's a great word for it has a broader and more important connotation that I like to think of as coziness. I'm referring to a sense of easy community where people in a certain space have decided to put aside differences and suspicions and consciously work at being convivial. The Czechs, Dutch, Russians, and Danes have similar concepts in their languages, but English has to borrow the German term. There is definitely something about beer. Look at the mirth just bursting out of those Bruegel paintings as Flemish peasants drink beer and dance despite their rough and challenging lives. Civilization and civility thrive where there is a pot of beer. Beer brings people together on common ground and has been doing so for thousands of years. End quote. That is poetry, Mr. Mosher. But I will say, I'm going to do something that I've never done before and slightly contradict Randy for this one. Fence line and the following explanation by Jonathan of the term fence line is, in my mind, a fine English contender to the rival German term. Continuing with the name questions, what fence line, what does that mean? I like Let's combine the one. two. He, he tells the story really well. Okay. <laughs> um, we both wanted something that reflected Iowa. We reflected the rural uh, community. And everybody has a fence. Everybody has a fence line when you're driving around uh, the back roads. But more than that, that fence line helps define you. It helps define who you are, your property. And when you go beyond the fence line, you're exploring. And then you come back to that fence line, your home, and then you meet your neighbors at the fence line and, and talk shop. You, you, you talk sure. about the things that you do. So one of the things that we say here is you meet your neighbor at your fence line, and this is their fence line. And we've had a lot of people in the four years that we've been open meet one another or revisit one another here. So it, it, it's become true. That's a beautiful thing. Okay. That's, a, that's a stacked name with everything you both know. That's right? cool. Yeah. <laughs> I have one more question sure. that I ask literally everybody, and sometimes it throws people off because it's kind of a big question. Okay. Great. You're going to take this one. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm going to need a minute. <laughs> what keeps you both going? Oh. Alcohol. Oh, oh. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> remember, remember I said at the end of the day, there's always the beer. Yeah. Well, hey, that's an answer, uh, too. Yeah. For me, it's what's next. Yeah. Um, it's an impatience with what we have done already, always wanting to improve on what, what we've done, what's next, um, whether it's a dish, a food dish, or the next beer. I'm excited to work with our son Henry today to do a beer that we've never done before. So, yeah, for me, it's always what's next. For me, it's having having the discussions over beer. We've had a lot of discussions about um, distribution and, you know, how do you, how do you still control that? We obviously we're very small. We don't distribute a lot, but we are looking into maybe 
expanding that in the next year or so. Another example of that is um, I don't I don't publish IBUs on our menus. It's on our website, but um, okay. not on the menus when people are here um, because I have found that some people will not order something if it's above X IBU. That's interesting. And like our stout happens to have more hops in it than I think it's our pale ale, but the balance mm. up with the, with all the malt, it, it tempers it. And sure. so, so you're not getting 40 IBUs in a stout. You're not mm. perceiving it, but people won't order it because, Oh, that's too hoppy. So I like that discussion that keeps me going is, is being able to, talk to somebody about the beer that I made and, and share that with them. I'll the, tag team his, the, his answer. To yeah. <laughs> it's incredibly well, insightful. Said. Actually. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. Um, both of you. Thank you thank for you. sitting down with me. Yeah. I appreciate it. And, um, best of luck with everything. I thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Come back for a beer at some point. Of course. Yeah. Cheers. 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 Sometimes all of us, myself included, stay far away from the fences we place around ourselves. But as Susan and Jonathan have found, it's at the fence line that you meet people outside of yourself, outside of your own little corner, your own comfort zone of the world. So I'd like to encourage you, encourage myself to open yourself up to meeting your neighbor, meeting that person at the bar, at the pub, at the brewery. It's how we get to know each other, and it's its the most human thing you can do, in my opinion. A couple notes about today's show. I mentioned an article by Craft Beer Girls, and I just wanted to throw them a little plug because I think it's a great organization. It's a platform for women and non-binary individuals across the world to connect over their shared enthusiasm for craft beer. Pretty cool. So, Give that a look if you're interested. Otherwise, all other links to research can be found in the show notes. Thank you to Susan. Thank you to Jonathan, to Fenceline Beer Labs for being so hospitable. And the fantastic, I can't emphasize this enough, the fantastic Brussels sprouts that uh, Jonathan made for me (laughs) when I went back on the road. So thank you for that. Otherwise, I want to talk to you directly. Thank you generally for listening to the beer nomad podcast you're the reason that uh noodles and i keep doing this if you haven't yet if you could rate and subscribe if you find value in the show that really helps us continue doing what we're doing that's it for this week drink good beer meet somebody at the fence line and be good to each other cheers Mm -hmm.